Welcome to all you who are joining us online. And those of you who are in our overflow spaces this morning, we're so glad you're here. I want to make a very special uh, welcome, though, this morning before we have our time in the scriptures. And I want to acknowledge uh, Brother Ajay and Indu Law and their daughter Sarika and Brother Roshan from India. Stand together, all of you. Let's give a really warm welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most all of you know Ajay and Indu. We've been uh, Living Link partners with them for uh, well, well over 25 years here at Mount Pleasant, supporting this incredible, incredible mission and work in India, where today hundreds of thousands of believers are worshiping uh, the risen Christ because of the ministry of Central India Christian Mission. What a joy it is. And what, a, what a, a, an unusual thing this must be for you, Ajay, to be sitting and not preaching on Easter Sunday. Uh, talk about somebody getting up out of their seat. We might have some security to keep an eye on him uh, while I'm preaching this morning. I don't know anyone who doesn't like a great comeback story, and because I've always loved sports, I've always loved comeback stories that involved athletes. This past weekend, the entire sporting world watched as Tiger Woods celebrated what many believe to be the biggest comeback in the history of golf by winning the Masters, which is arguably the most prestigious event in golf. Everyone knows who Tiger Woods is, even people who have absolutely no interest in golf. He began swinging a golf club when he was 11 months old. He was a prodigy by the age of two when he appeared on the Mike Douglas show to show off his golf swing. Following an incredible amateur career where he won three consecutive U.S. amateur titles, he turned pro where he won tournaments, where he signed record endorsement deals, and where he made history. Through 2008, he had won 74 professional golf tournaments, including 14 majors. But then things began to go south for Tiger Woods. There were significant injuries that sidelined him, followed by a humiliating personal scandal that involved multiple stories of sexual infidelity that ultimately landed him in rehab for a sex addiction. In 2013, he made what appeared to be a comeback. He began to play again. He won five tournaments that year and was named PGA Player of the Year. But then there were more injuries and another scandal, and once again his body had betrayed him, and once again his personal choices diminished him. His injuries got so bad that there was a time when, by his own admission, he couldn't get up off the couch to watch his own children play soccer. Ultimately, he went through four back surgeries that included spinal fusion. And in December of 2017, Tiger Woods was ranked as the 1,199th player in the world. He'd gone from being number one to 1,199. That's how far he had fallen. But he began to play again in 2018, and at the end of the season, he won his 80th tournament. And then last week, his comeback seemed full circle when he won his 81st tournament and 15th major when he won the Masters. Now, I'll be honest with you today and tell you, I'm not a Tiger Woods fan. I don't think anybody's talent or skill or fame should excuse their poor character, but Everyone loves a comeback story. Comeback stories are especially relevant at Easter where we celebrate the greatest comeback of all. On Friday, it looked like Jesus had lost everything. He had been betrayed by a friend, arrested, falsely accused, and tried, sentenced to death, and abandoned. He died alone on a cross, and then he was placed in a borrowed tomb. But that was Friday. And on Sunday, the power of God entered into his lifeless body, and the blood began to flow, and his lungs began to fill with air, and he rose from the dead. And in the months and the years that followed, his followers, his disciples were so emboldened by his resurrection that they became fearless witnesses because they no longer feared death in their own lives. 
And as a result, the message of Christ spread throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth. And it caught the attention of many people, including a man named Saul, who became determined to bring it all to an end by persecuting, imprisoning, and executing anyone who claimed to be a follower of Christ. But then something dramatic happened to Saul. He was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians there, and he had a personal encounter with Christ that changed his life forever. The story is told in Acts chapter 9, there was a bright light that shone around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard the voice of Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? When he got up, he was blind, and the Lord said, go on into the city of Damascus, and I'll send someone to you there. And so the Lord sent a man named Ananias who shared the good news about Jesus with Saul and his life was changed forever, and ultimately his name was changed from Saul to Paul. He became a preacher, an evangelist, a missionary, a church planter, the author of roughly two-thirds of the New Testament. One of the books he wrote is the New Testament book of First Corinthians. And in the 15th chapter, and I've got my Bible open there to First Corinthians 15, in the 15th chapter he writes extensively about the resurrection, and we learn that when it comes to Christianity, everything rises and falls on the reality of the resurrection because without it, Jesus was just another cult leader who was making wild claims. But because Jesus rose from the dead, we understand that he is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do, and that includes writing comeback stories for people like you and me and Paul. And it's that comeback story that I want to talk to you about for just a few minutes this morning because I'm sure there are people here today and people who are listening to us online who are in need of making a comeback in their life. Maybe it's in some kind of, some part of your personal life where you failed. Maybe it's in your marriage where honestly your marriage is just hanging on by a thread. Maybe it's in your professional life or some other area of your life. The good news is the Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can lead to a comeback in your life as well. In fact, look at this verse on the screen behind me from Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The same Paul that we're talking about wrote these words in his letter to the church in Rome. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. And here's what that means, friends. That means the same power that brought Jesus from the dead is available to you in a way that can change and transform your life. So what do I need to do? Well, the first thing you have to do is you just have to be honest. And when I say be honest, I'm talking about you have to be honest about who you are. As I said, I've got my Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In the first eight verses, in particular verses 3 through 8, Paul testifies to the resurrection. Listen to what he writes. He says, for I received, for what I received rather, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And then in the very next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 9, Paul goes on to write these words. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Jesus changed Paul's life because there was a time when Paul came face to face with the reality of who he was and he didn't like what he saw. 
That's why later on in his, Paul, in his life, Paul, rather, in another one of his New Testament letters, 1 Timothy, wrote these words. This is 1 Timothy 1.15. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This is where a comeback story begins, friends. It begins by being honest about who you are. I've had lots and lots of spiritual conversations with people over the past many years that I've been a pastor, and I've talked to a lot of people who've said something to me like this, Pastor, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not nearly as bad as most of the people that I know. But the Bible says that regardless of whether we are a little sinner or a big sinner, regardless of whether we're a boring sinner or a spectacular sinner, we're all sinners. That means none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. And no one makes the kind of comeback that we're talking about on this Easter Sunday without acknowledging that truth. I love the way the Apostle John deals with this in his first epistle. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And honestly, folks, that's where a lot of people live today. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not nearly as bad as most of the people I know. But then in the very next verse, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, he goes on and writes, but if we confess our sin, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. In other words, he's able to help us make the comeback that we need. Every spiritual comeback begins with a willingness to be honest about who you are. Paul didn't say that the resurrected Jesus appeared to him because he was such a great preacher or because he was such a great leader or because he was such a great writer or anything like that. In fact, he said, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. That means Paul never forgot who he was before he met Jesus. Here's an interesting kind of upside-down upside truth about the Scriptures. When you become a Christian, there's a sense in which you can forget the past because the Bible says in multiple places that when God forgives our sin, He chooses to remember them no more. And so there's a sense in which you can forget the past when you become a Christian. But at the same time, there's another sense in which we need to remember the past because we need to remember who we were without God, who we were when we were all on our own. Every comeback begins by being honest about who you are. And there are probably people right here listening to me in overflow spaces online, as I said earlier, who need to make a comeback and need to do that by being willing to make some specific confessions I've got a problem with anger. I've got a problem with lust. I've got a problem with alcohol. I've got a problem with gossip. I've got a problem with greed. I've got a problem with any other number of things. Don't wait a moment longer to be willing to do that because as soon as you confess the reality of your life, you don't have to carry around the burden of guilt any longer. God will forgive you. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so you could be forgiven. The second thing we have to do is we have to accept the grace of God. And we do this because it's only by the grace of God that we can experience lasting change in our lives. Paul continues on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in the very first part of verse 10, he writes and says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. 
By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. I love that last phrase, his grace to me was not without effect, because it reminds us that when we experience the grace of God, it changes us. But what is the grace of God? Well, the word grace in the original language of the New Testament is the Greek word charis, and it means favor, it means kindness, it means blessing. When it's used in connection to God, it means God chooses to show us His favor. God chooses to show us His kindness. God chooses to bless us rather than curse us. See, because of the fact that we're all sinners, we deserve to be cursed, but when we accept His grace, He pours out on us the blessing of having our sin forgiven. Do you remember when Dr. Phil first became popular. I don't know if Dr. Phil is popular in modern culture anymore today, but when he first burst on the scene, he would show up on the Oprah show, and then he got his own show, and he was a psychologist and a counselor, and he had a catchphrase that became real popular, and he became known for that phrase. He would say to people that he was talking to, how's that working for you? You remember that? So if Dr. Phil was counseling with a husband and a wife and, and the husband was dealing with a lot of stress and he would say, I yell at my wife and I spank my kids when I'm overwhelmed with stress, Dr. Phil would say, well, how's that working for you? Well, when it comes to making a comeback in our lives, we need to look at what we're doing on our own and we need to ask ourselves, every single one of us, how is this working for me? Is what I'm trying to do on my own as I try to manage my life all by myself, is it taking away my guilt? Is it taking away my anxiety? Is it taking away my loneliness? Is it covering up this overwhelming shroud of hopelessness that I live with every single day of my life? I'm sure the answer of every honest person would be no. What we're doing on our own, it's not working. That's why we need to accept the grace of God, which remember is His favor and His blessing and His kindness. And the grace of God, I'll say it again, the grace of God works. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. To experience real change in our lives, to make a comeback in our lives, we have to accept the grace of God. And here's the deal. The Bible tells us that the grace of God comes into our lives through Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin and then conquered death by rising from the dead. He delivers the grace of God into our lives when we put our faith and our trust in Him because when it comes to being right with God, you can't get to where you need to be on your own. You have to accept the grace of God that comes through faith in Christ. And then the third thing, we simply have to ask for help today, right now, not tomorrow, not sometime down the road when you feel better about yourself but today. I read the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 just a moment ago. Let me read the entire verse. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. And then Paul goes on to write, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. What does that mean? Well, Paul's saying that he was so thankful for God's grace and so determined to make the most of God's grace that he worked hard to live out his new life. He worked hard to live out his comeback life, the comeback life that God had given him. But then he goes on to say, but at the end of the day, it was all the grace of God at work in me. You know, you might be listening to me and thinking to yourself that it's impossible for you to change. It's impossible for you to experience a comeback in your life because you're always 
going to be wanting. You're never on your own ever going to be able to become the person you want to become. You might be thinking, I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to be filled with disappointment. I'm always going to be lonely. I'm always going to be addicted. I'm always going to be broke. I'm always going to be broken. But that doesn't have to be the case if you're willing to open yourself up to God and ask for His help and ask for His grace. And if you're willing to do that, your life can be changed right now today before you leave to go home. In fact, because of God's grace, every single person in this room in need of a comeback is just one step away from a comeback. Because you can take a step toward God this morning that will change your life for all eternity. I'm going to close my time with you in just a moment. And at the end of the service, which is not long from now, at the end of the service, I'm going to have some people standing right down front on the floor here who would love to talk to you about what you need to know and understand in order to receive God's grace into your life today. They'd love to pray with you and pray for you if you just have the courage to come and talk to them. Because God wants to pour His grace out into your life. He wants to change you. He wants to give you victory over the failures of your past. He wants to give you the power to live a new life. And that can happen if you will be honest about who you are. You will accept God's grace and you will ask for His help today. You will ask Him for the help that you need to take the step toward Him that can change your life. Because Jesus made the ultimate comeback when He rose from the dead. He can help you make a comeback in your life today. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to spend a few minutes in your word today. And I pray for anyone here today who is in need of a comeback, that you would give them the courage to be honest about who they are, to accept your grace, and ask for your help, even the help to take the step that they need to take today toward you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.